0: Let's pray as we begin and get into the message. Father, thank you for our time that we can share together. We want to hallow your name, lift up your name. You are king, you are Lord, and we bow our hearts and bow our minds and bow our lives before you. Help us, Lord, to have right hearts and right attitudes. Lord, I believe this is going to be a challenging message for some. And it's going to encourage us, Lord, to be grateful for all that you provide and all that you do in our lives. Lord, be with us now. Help us to hear from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible with you, we're going to look at Colossians today. uh, In the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, Paul is going to talk about this idea of being grateful, of having gratitude. Here's what the Word of God says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Paul writes these words. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, meaning you have accepted him into your life, you are living by faith, so walk in him. We learned all about that when we covered the book of Ephesians, walking in that, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and, he says, overflowing with Gratitude. That little phrase really caught my attention where Paul says, I want you to be overflowing. With gratitude. The first picture that came to my mind was that of a cup. Picture a cup, an empty cup that is being filled. Maybe it's being filled with water. It's filled all the way up to the brim, to the top of the cup, and then it is so full and the water keeps pouring in that it, the, the cup can't contain it anymore. It just starts flowing over the sides, and that's what overflowing is. Overflowing not with water, though, overflowing with a heart of gratitude being grateful in your lives, having a cup that is so full. And that's really what uh, stuck out to me or really struck me as I was reading this. Are you one who it could be described of you, if people were gathered together talking about you, that they would look at you and say that that person is overflowing with gratitude? It is not a surprise to you when I say that a majority of people are absolutely not overflowing with gratitude. Most people are overflowing with something completely contrary to gratitude, the antithesis of gratitude. The sad fact is that many Christians, even in this room this morning, are not overflowing with gratitude, but they're overflowing with something completely different. Here's how the lack of gratitude can impact our lives. You see, a lack of gratitude, a spirit of discontent can blind the eyes, it can sour the heart, and it can deeply affect others. In fact, having a lack of gratitude will ultimately destroy my life. My background is in marriage and family therapy. That's what I got my master's degree in when I was going through seminary, and really doing counseling on the side or doing counseling with people who are a part of the church has really been a part of ministry that I've had for the last 25 years, and I would say that there are many couples that would come in and meet with me who are having marital problems, and they're not overflowing with gratitude. In fact, they're overflowing with a sour disposition, a complaining attitude, Bitter discontent and ungrateful hearts. John Ortberg told a story. Actually, it's a parable or a fairy tale. You'll pick that up as I tell this. And it's about two young parents who have a six year old little boy. And these parents are in a toy store with this little boy. Predictably, the little boy, as he's in that toy store, sees a a toy that is the toy of his dreams. He's seen it on TV. All of his friends have it. He's dreamt of having this toy for as long as he can remember, which is about a week and a half for a six-year-old. This is just going to be it. This is the ultimate toy he wants to have, and he pleads with his parents, and he says to his parents, please, please, would you please buy this thing for me? His parents resist and say, well, we don't have enough money. Um, it's really quite expensive. Maybe wait until Christmas. The little boy persists and pleads even more. If you buy this toy for me, he says, I will never ask for anything ever again. Ever heard that before? <laughs> And mom and dad, if you buy this for me, I will be grateful for the rest of my life. Wow, this is quite a toy then. It's an amazing toy. And his parents think, well, this is quite expensive. But if he is going to be grateful the rest of his life, then really it's very inexpensive. So we're going to buy the toy for him. And they give it to him. And amazingly, it works. Again, this is, this is a parable. He, he's grateful for the rest of his life. Despite the fact that he's had some very difficult problems in his life. You see, he got married young in life and he had his kids early. Ten years into the marriage, his wife says, I need to experience life because I never have. And she leaves him with the kids. The three small children grow up and they blame him almost daily for the fact that she left. And they remind him of what a lousy father he is. When he turned 50, the company that he had been with for 25 years, been loyal to, decided to downsize. You see, it's nothing personal, but now he's out of a job. In his old age, social security folds, and he's living hand to mouth, but he never complains. Why? Because he got that toy when he was six, and he was grateful for the rest of his life. Question, is that how life works? Well, life does not work like that at all. You have to wonder, how could a little child be so foolish as to think that a toy has that kind of power to make them grateful all of their lives? How could they be so naive and so deceived? Well, you know, they're young, they're immature, we'll give them some slack. And the problem is that little kids aren't the only ones who think that way. For the fact is that many of us, even those in this room right now, are living life like a little child, thinking if we could just find the right thing... If we can just get the right gift, the right toy, the right job, the right spouse, the right finances, the right thing in life, we will finally be grateful for the rest of our lives. Many people in society live according to what I would refer to as the win then lie. The win then lie says this when I acquire this, when I accomplish that, then I will be happy. Then I will be grateful. Then I will be content. You ever been there? I know I have. I wasn't grateful, and I looked for the thing that would make me grateful. If I could have just the right thing, the right job, the right accomplish, the the right toys, then I'll finally be happy. Well, here's the truth. That gratitude has very little to do with what we have, what we've acquired, what we've accomplished. It has everything to do with a right heart and a right mind. An attitude of gratitude has little to do with those accomplishments, those acquis- acquisitions. It has everything to do with having a right heart, a right mind, and a right response to God. I want to look today at four questions to help you and I determine how grateful we really are, and what we understand about being grateful and having an attitude of gratitude in our lives. Before we ask those questions, I'm going to give you the definition of what gratitude is. Gratitude can be defined in this way. It comes from the Greek word eucharistia, which means to give freely. Gratitude is a freely given expression of joy despite Circumstances. And I want you to note that little phrase, despite circumstances. We are to be overflowing. That means to superabound, to be abundant, to be excessively having joy despite our circumstances. Now, notice this little word from the Greek definition. It's the word Eucharistia, but notice the word Eucharist. If any of you come from a church background, maybe you came from a Lutheran background, a Catholic background of some kind, more of a formal traditional background, you may have heard the phrase Eucharist, and it was referring to the Lord's Supper. Anytime communion was celebrated, they celebrated using the Eucharist. Well, what is Eucharist? Well, it really is an expression of gratitude toward God for what he has done for me. Joy despite my circumstances. Can you say in your life that you are overflowing with gratitude because though you have tough circumstances, you are still abounding with joy in the midst of those things. I was having a conversation last night with my son, and we were talking about persecution in the church. And we were talking about the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, the disciples, the early disciples, early in the book of Acts, were arrested. They were taken, put into prison. They were beaten and then set free because the charges wouldn't stick. And they all went away rejoicing for the fact that they were worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. They had joy Despite circumstances, that's what gratitude is. Gratitude is a perspective on life that learns to experience as a gift and appreciate with wonder what other people take for granted. That could be your spouse. Maybe you've lost that idea of being grateful for that person in your life. Maybe you've focused on the negatives rather than on the positives. And maybe the challenge for you is to be grateful for what God has given you, not for the negatives, but for the things that are positive. Maybe it's about your job, maybe your, your kids, maybe it's your health, your family, your friends, the sunrise, the sunset, things that you can be grateful about despite the circumstances that you're in. I want to share with you a story, and some of you have heard me share this. It's been a few years since I've shared this story, but it's a story by a couple by the name of Martin and Gracia Burnham. Gracia Burnham would write a book about this In the Presence of My Enemies, is the name of the book. Martin and Gracia Burnham were missionaries in the Philippines. And they decided that they were going to take a romantic weekend, just get away, just the two of them, unplug, and just have a time of refreshing and uh, getting away. As they went on this romantic break, they were abducted, along with five other hostages by the soldiers of the Abu Sayyaf. Martin and Gracia Burnham, as they were abducted, again, it was just a, a little weekend getaway. But for 10 months... They would live in the jungle as captives. Life in the jungle meant no bathrooms, no toilet paper, except on rare occasions, and no privacy. And of course, there was the constant hunger. In her book, Gracia wrote this story. She said, there were days when we went without anything. I remember many occasions that we would stop for our noon meal, and there was no food, and so they would pass around this little container of salt, and we would just put some salt in the middle of our hand and eat that. That was it. She wrote and said, Once, I was sitting beside the streams. And I saw this little minnow, and he was kind of trapped by the little stones in this little pool off to the side of the stream. And I reached down, thinking that he would dart away, but I got him. And I picked up this little fish, and I looked at Martin and said, look at what I got. Do you want some of this? And he said, no. So... So Gracia wrote and said, I just stuck the, uh, the fish in my mouth and ate it. And it was really good. Can you imagine being that hungry? That that would be an appetizing meal? She goes on to say this. I hated this. And I think right then that I decided that God didn't love me. Because if he loved me, I would be out of there. Can any of you relate to that? If God really loved me, then he would fill in the blank if god really loved me then he would fix this he would rectify this situation he would fix my marriage he would get me a different job he would fix my finances if god really loved me he would do this but martin stepped in at this point gracia writes keeping uh, reminding gracia to keep fighting the good fight he said to me, you know, Gracia. it seems to me either you believe it all or you don't believe it at all. And he said, Scripture tells us that God loves us. And you can't pick and choose what Scripture you're going to believe in and follow. And he said, why don't you just accept what's true? We don't know why we're here, but we do know that God loves us. She writes, at that point, I pretty much gave in to God. One day, I told Martin... Well I'm going to stop praying that I can go home And I'm going to start praying for a hamburger Because if God gives me a hamburger That means I'm out of here So let's start praying for hamburgers So I started earnestly Every day praying God please provide us a hamburger And wouldn't you know it One night one of the captors went into Jollibee And went to a McDonald's And brought us hamburgers and I think it's like the Lord just hit us over the head with, okay, I can give you a hamburger. And that's when we realized God didn't want us out of there. And I think that's when we maybe started thinking that we weren't going to get out of here. On Martin's last day, it was going to rain. So we set up our hammocks with our little plastic shades over our hammocks. Before we laid down, Martin said to me, you know, Gracia, I don't know why the Lord has allowed this to happen, but today... I've been thinking about Psalm 100, how we can serve the Lord with gladness. He said, just because we're here doesn't mean we can't serve him with gladness. So let's serve the Lord with gladness today. And then we just prayed together. Then we laid down for our nap and that's when the gunfire started. And you know, we had been trained to hit the ground, but before I could even hit the ground, I was wounded and I came to rest right next to Martin And I looked over, and I could tell that Martin had gotten shot in the chest. He just laid there, kind of like he was in a deep sleep, kind of like he was snoring. He was breathing heavy, and all of a sudden, he just got real heavy, and then he was gone. Then the next thing I know, I was set free by the Philippine army, and the ordeal was over. Despite a year in captivity and the loss of her husband— Gracia says, not only has she forgiven the Abu Sayyaf, but she still prays for them. That's the least I can do, I think. I've got one of their pictures on the fridge, and we pray for him. Now get this. She goes on to write this. Something very special was going on there when I was held captive. You know, in the States, if I get thirsty, I go to the sink and I get something to drink. If I get hungry, I go to the fridge and I see what's there to munch on. In the jungle, if I got thirsty, I prayed to God and I asked him for something to drink and he sent it to me. And it's different. It's very different. I got to know him, she said, in a very unique, special way. And I guess I wouldn't trade that for anything think about it. You wouldn't trade it for anything. You lost your husband there. Again, go back to the definition of gratitude. Gratitude is a perspective on life that learns to experience as a gift and appreciates with wonder what other people take for granted. This dear couple This dear woman who lost her husband says, I got to know God in a very special, unique way, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. Not that she is grateful for sin or tragedy or losing her husband, but grateful in the midst of the pain and the suffering. She got to go know God in an intimate, unique, and special way that would have never happened without the suffering and the pain that she went through. That's what gratitude is. So just quickly, as we wrap this up, I'm going to give you four questions that I want you to consider and answer for yourself when it comes to, do I have an attitude of gratitude? The first question is this. The first question, all of them are going to be who, what, uh, when, and how. First question is who. And the question is this. Who do I believe is responsible for the gratitude level of my life? Uh, let, let me tell you where I'm going with this. That's kind of a weird question. Who's responsible? It, here's how I would answer that. If the answer to that question is someone or something other than you, bad news. You are probably going to have to wait a long time before you're able to ever finally have gratitude. Most of us live in the way that we believe that someone or something else is responsible for our gratitude. Someone or something else would need to change or be different for me to finally be grateful. For some of you, it may be your boss. You could say, my boss is a jerk. He doesn't pay me enough. He works me too hard. If he or she weren't such a jerk, then I could be grateful. But because it is right now and I work for this person, I can't possibly ever be grateful. For some of you, that person is your spouse. Again, I see this all the time in marital counseling. 99% of the time when couples come in for marriage counseling, whose fault is the problems that we're having? It's his fault. It's her fault. That's the reason I'm so miserable. That's the reason I am so ungrateful. Maybe it's not your spouse. Maybe it's a teacher. If you're in high school, maybe you're in elementary or college, whatever it might be. And if it weren't for this teacher, my life would be great. But this teacher is ruining my life. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe you long for the days when you were pre-kid. Maybe you long for the days when you'll be post-kid. Because the kids are the ones that make my life so ungrateful. Maybe it's your friends. Problems in your career, problems in your finances. The problem is this, that there is no one or nothing that can cause you to be grateful. Because gratitude comes completely from ourselves. We are responsible for the gratitude levels of our lives. I cannot put the the responsibility for gratitude upon anyone or anything else. I have to make a decision today that I will choose today To be grateful. There's an incredible book. It was written just a few years ago. It was by a person by the name of Robert Hughes. It was called Culture of Complaint. And Robert Hughes, in The Culture of Complaint, wrote this. He was not, not a Christian, but he just noticed our culture. And he said, This. He said, We live in a society in which people perceive themselves to be entitled to have all of their desires fulfilled immediately. When that doesn't happen, they view themselves as victims. He said, we live in a culture of complaint, and it forms our minds, and it shapes our hearts. So that's the first question. Who? Well, the answer to that is me. I am responsible for whether or not I will choose to be grateful. Question number two, what should I be grateful for? Well, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, is kind of an irritating verse on this one, because in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, it says this, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives those two words, always and everything. That's what I should be grateful for, always and everything, Brennan Manning, in his book called The Lion and the Lamb, The Relentless Tenderness of Jesus, he wrote a story about a guy named Edward Farrell. Edward was going on a two-week summer holiday, summer vacation. He was traveling to Ireland to visit some relatives. His one living uncle was going to celebrate his 80th birthday. On the day of his uncle's birthday, Ed got up early with his uncle and they went for a walk along the shores of Lake Killarney. As they're walking along the shores, it was dawn. They were about to watch the sunrise. They stood side by side for 20 minutes in silence, watching the sunrise. Ed looked over at his uncle, Uncle Seamus. And Uncle Seamus had a broad, wide smile on his face. And Ed looked at his uncle and said, Uncle, why are you so happy? You look so very happy. And his uncle said to him, well, I am, son. The reason I am is because the father of Jesus is fond of me. How about being grateful for the fact that God is fond of you? Not only does he love you, he also likes you. And that is a reason to be grateful. You know another reason to be grateful? He has forgiven your sins. There was a story that was told of Jesus, that he was sitting in, in a, a mealtime, in Luke chapter 7, in, a, uh, in the home of a Pharisee. And there was a woman that came in, and she had a bottle of perfume. And in this bottle of perfume, she began to anoint Jesus with the perfume. And she fell down at his feet, and with tears and perfume, making a mess of everything, was anointing the feet of Jesus. And it was because she was so grateful. And Jesus said those amazing words. For this reason I say to you, her sins are forgiven, which are many. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. That's another reason to be incredibly grateful. Who's responsible? I am. What should I be grateful for? I have been forgiven. And God is fond of me and actually loves me and likes me. That's a reason to be grateful. Number three, when is it a good time to be grateful? Again, scripture is very irritating when it comes to this because there's no, it doesn't allow me just to whine and complain. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 118, it says this, Today is the day the Lord has made and I will be grateful. Today is the day. When is it a good time to be grateful? Well, tomorrow will be the best time because I'll get through what I'm going through today, tomorrow, or yesterday. Looking back, longing for the days long ago. That was the good time to be grateful. No, the psalmist says today is the day. So who? Me. What? Everything. When? Today. Today I will be grateful. Number four, how can I be grateful when I have been so disappointed I think this is where it starts to hit home. Because if we start to look at our lives, we can probably notice and add up all of the things that have been problematic. The pain, the suffering, the hurts, the trials, the tests that we have gone through. The pains of life. How can I possibly great, be grateful? Because look at my life. My life is a mess. How can I possibly great, be grateful? Well, Habakkuk chapter 3 answers that question. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, it says this, Though the figs should not blossom, though there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olives should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. What this describes is what Karl Barth described as defiant gratitude. You you know what defiant gratitude is? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's what it is. Defiant gratitude is an attitude of gratitude that is contrary to the culture. Defiant gratitude is determined. It is resolved. And it is only experienced when I begin to be grateful today, at all times, for all, to- all things, despite my circumstances. Defiant gratitude is what all of us can walk away with today. You have the ability to make a choice and say, though my life isn't perfect, though I have pain, though there are struggles, I will stand up in the face of those things And I will have defiant gratitude. I will be grateful. I will choose this day to be grateful. An attitude of gratitude is what God calls us to. Now, as disciples of Christ, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, then you need to know some things that you have going for you. You have been made in the image of God. God loves you and calls you his child. Because of Christ's work on the cross, you have been forgiven, and you've been given a future that is secure. It is with God forever. You have received grace. You've been adopted into the family of God. You are part of the church, the universal church that God has established, which is the body of Christ. But that's not all. You've been given the Holy Spirit. Christ is in you, and he is your hope of glory. We have spiritual gifts that enable us to do ministry that have an eternal impact. It's really, really quite amazing. We have the gift of life. We have salvation through Christ. We are royal priests, part of a holy nation. We have divine enablements. We're filled with the spirit. Our future is secure. But really, beyond that... You know, I don't need that much. I just need a different job. I need more income. I just need a different spouse, a nicer house, newer car, better clothes. If we would just sing the old hymns that we used to sing as a church, then I would finally be grateful. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I'm not saying don't want something better. I'm not saying don't strive for something more. I'm saying notice what you have. Because when you notice what you have, you will begin to be grateful. If you're waiting for the magic thing, it will never come and it will never be enough. God has called us to choose to be grateful despite circumstances, despite situations, despite accomplishments or acquisitions. And so today and at all times, for all things, choose in the face of all of it to be defiantly grateful. Let's pray as we close. Father God, I pray that we would take this message to heart. Lord, that your words to us are encouraging us to be overflowing with gratitude. There are some people who have acquired and accomplished a lot, yet they are so miserably ungrateful. And there are others that have acquired and accomplished a lot, and they're incredibly grateful. There are some that have absolutely nothing, have accomplished and acquired nothing, and they're miserable. And there are others, Lord, that are in that same position and are eternally and incredibly grateful. Lord, we can be grateful today because you have saved us. You have given us a future that is secure. You have given us an inheritance. We can look and be with you forever. Lord, we should be grateful for that. Help us to notice the people around us and be grateful for them. Help us to be grateful for our spouse, our children, our friends, our family. Help us to choose, even in a rocky situation, to be grateful for the jobs that we have. Help us to be grateful, despite that health diagnosis that has rocked our worlds. Help us, Lord, to be grateful. Despite kids, maybe, that have wandered off from faith. Help us to be grateful for all that you do. Today is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice in it. Lord, during this Thanksgiving week, daily, help us to remember the things that we can give thanks about. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.